Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Ephesians 1 this morning. Kind of winding down our teaching on redemption. Have you enjoyed your teaching on redemption? I tell you, if you see who you are in Christ, what you have, what you can do, it'll change your life. Hallelujah. Now remember, we began looking about nine weeks ago at the dilemma of mankind, the reason for the problems. Everybody say the reason. You know, God's not the reason for the problems. Several people I talked to yesterday, you know, when you engage people in conversation about God, you know, uh, many of them have a very uh, a negative view of God and blame God for their problems. They're like, you know, man, I can't believe God did this. I can't believe God did that. I can't believe, well, God doesn't do those things. How could a love, loving, kind, uh, benevolent God, uh, there's nothing in him that's hurtful. There's nothing in him, in him that's harmful. Now, he's good in every way. And uh, people need to know that. Not only do they need to know it, uh, they need to experience it. And uh, one of the things I've learned, not only from the pulpit, but also in personal witnessing, is to tell people, never, ever judge God uh, by the circumstances that happen in your own life, nor do you judge God by people that you meet that serve Him. You say, why? Well, you'll meet Christians that are knuckleheads. Amen. I mean, there are Christians out there that if you judge God by them, you don't want anything to do with God. Amen. No, we judge God by His Word. And even our own experiences many times say, well, I believed God for this and it didn't happen. And I prayed for that and that didn't happen. Well, I don't know. It, it may be that we didn't have the information. Maybe we didn't use faith like we should have. I don't know. I, I've learned over the years, and it's really helped me, that any good, great blessing of God in my life, I give him all the glory. I pray. And then if there's any breakdown, if something doesn't happen that I'm believing God for, I don't go to God. I go to me. I usually figure I done messed up somewhere. I done made a mistake. I, done, I don't have the information that I need. or I'm, not, I'm missing it somehow. Amen? A lot of people, they just get out there and make a mistake, stumble and trip up. Then they blame God for everything. Don't do that. Don't do that. You'll, you'll, you'll have a bad God image. You want a good God image. Amen? So, God created the earth. All that is and was and will ever be. Made a beautiful planet, put man in it. But the enemy of God got into the system. Got into God's creation. Caused man to fall. Remember we studied uh, man's condition in Adam. Uh, what, a, what a terrible uh, situation we are in as a human family. Uh, the sickness, disease, poverty, lack, you name it. It's, it's, it's unique to the human family because of the fall. Uh, uh, war, I, I've, I've said this probably a hundred times in preaching over the years, and it just it had such an impression on me. And I forget exactly where I read it, but I was reading a, a periodical on a plane going somewhere, and it talked about how in 18, uh, 1898, 1899, and then the year 1900, how many of the, whatever you call it, the social engineers, the people that wrote about coming trends, they predicted that that 20th century would be, they, they literally termed a century of peace. And they called it a century of peace because of the very uh, quick advancement of technology. Uh, the steam engine and the gasoline engine and, and, and people were messing with airplanes and, and there were trains and people were messing with cars and, and light bulbs and all. And they thought, man, because of all this great technology, surely we'll live in peace. Well, they used the engine. They put it in a tank and took the light bulb so they could light the battlefield. Amen. 
And we fought World War I. We fought World War II. Uh, we fought Vietnam. We fought all other kind of uh, smaller wars and skirmishes all over the world and took the technology that was going to bring, quote, peace and learned how to kill each other wholesale. Amen? I mean, it's the truth. You say, why? It's man's condition in Adam. You, don't go, to good, you don't, don't go to heaven or hell for being bad or good. It's because of who you are. If you're born into the human family, you've got a great need. You say, what is that? You must be born again. You must be born again. So man fell. First thing God did, he didn't judge them. He didn't destroy them. He provided a covering for them. And then he gave them a promise. Oh, thank God for the promises of God. He said the heel of the woman, or excuse me, the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. He was literally prophesying one day someone would come that would be able to stand between man and God, fallen man and exalted God, and he would be able to bring the two together. He raised up, thank God, first of all, what I like to call, quote, a savior, not the savior, a savior in the person of Noah. God used Noah, saved his family, and because of that, the human family could continue there on the earth, the ark being a type of redemption. Then he found another man named Abraham, and in that man, he found someone willing to get into a blood covenant. The most unique thing about Abraham is that Abraham was willing to give his only son as a sacrifice to God which in the confines of the covenant releases the greater party to do the same thing. All Abraham, all Abraham had to do was be willing so that God could actually do it. Out of Abraham came a family. Out of the family came a nation. Out of the nation came a priesthood and a law that gave them access to God over a bleeding sacrifice. Then out of the nation came a kingly lineage. And out of that kingly lineage came Jesus through the seed of the woman and the word of God. He lived upon the earth three, uh, 33 and a half years. Three and a half years of miracle ministry was literally God speaking to us. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing what? Say it again. Say it again. God is what kind of God? And Jesus showed us that God was a good God. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He brought supernatural provision. He calmed the storm. And the only people he had a problem with was religious people. Listen, religion will send you to hell thinking you're going to heaven. Religion will make you wrong thinking you're right. Religion, Jesus always butted heads with religion because religion is man reaching up to God and always coming up short. But God, uh, Jesus, is God reaching down to man and never coming up short, but giving full provision of what fallen man needed. Amen? We saw Jesus die on the cross. We saw his death was our death. His burial, our burial. His resurrection, our resurrection. He being seated at the right hand of the Father is our being seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank God he's under Jesus' feet, which is the enemy or the devil. And if he's under his feet, he's under our feet. Amen? So if you got a message for the devil, write it on the bottom of your shoe. So we're going to look at some things this morning in Ephesians that will help us understand a little, a little better about what these things mean to us. Notice in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice this. Who, notice who, hath, past tense, already done it, hath blessed us. I love that phrase. Hath blessed us. You ought to scratch out us, put me. You say, why? Doesn't work till it becomes personal. Has blessed us. Now notice what. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
Now, now, people will read that. Remember what we talked about, people always settling for the lesser problem, trying to deal with that instead of going on into the greater things of God. So here we read the scripture that he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And people will think this, I ain't paying my light bill with no spiritual blessing. I can't buy groceries with no spiritual blessing. I can't pay my mortgage with no spiritual blessing. I can't get my body fixed with no spirit. I need something down here in the nasty now. Now, listen, everything that is finds its point of origin in the spirit realm. Let me try that again. You need to understand that. Everything that is finds its point of origin in the spirit realm. You know, last night, I, I, was, I, I was praying, uh, uh, Breland had gone off with some friends and was at a, uh, an event with some of her school friends, and so she was spending the night out. Leah's off at her, mom, uh, at her mom and dad's house, and so I was there by myself, and so after I'd prayed and prepared for today, I was doing some things, and it started to rain. And so I just kind of sat there and was, well, I, I like it raining, especially when it hadn't been raining a whole lot. So I was sitting there watching it rain, and it was one of those real nice rains. It was just raining real slow. And I was thinking about water and how when God said, and he created water, all of the water God ever created is still here. Amen? You know, the water that you drink this afternoon at lunch after church may have been water that's in an iceberg a thousand years ago. The water that rained upon uh, Galveston Island yesterday evening, it may have been water that, you know, some guy was riding on a wave in the Pacific Ocean uh, six months ago. Isn't that amazing? All everything that God put in the water and the earth is perpetual in its use. It doesn't wear out. It just keeps being used and recycled and used and recycled and used and recycled till man gets a hold of it. Amen. Then man pollutes it, man messes it up, but God's full provision is still here. Everything finds its origin. Before water was in the oceans, before it was in the streams, before it was in the clouds, before it was in the icebergs on the poles of the earth. It was in the mind and the heart of God. And God said, and it came into existence. All the, all the material of our clothes and the carpet, all of the wood, all of the paint, everything that is was already here before we ever utilized it or used it. It came where? It came from the spirit realm. So if you don't have it in the spirit realm, you're not going to get it. If it doesn't have a point of origin in the spirit realm, it will not show up in the natural so with that in mind, read this scripture again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all, all, you're missing a good opportunity to shout, all, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Think of the old covenant, Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, Moses, Israel, David, Solomon, Saul. All of these people, the Bible says they lived in faith having not yet received the promise. That promise was not prosperity or healing or victory in their nation. That promise was the promise of salvation. Now listen, they literally lived on credit, on something that would come. One, one, one translation of a, of a scripture in the Old Testament says, they saw it afar off and embraced it. They saw it coming and lived by it. Therefore, they kind of, for lack of a better, better illustration, it was almost a credit card society spiritually. 
The credit card was what? The blood of bulls, the blood of goats, the law, the Levitical priesthood. It, would use, it was used to atone and to cover. Till one day, one day, somebody came and paid the bill. Oh, aren't you glad he did? He paid the bill. Not only did he pay the bill, but when he rose from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, he made a deposit. I said he made a deposit. Where did he make a deposit? In heavenly places in Christ. A place where the devil can't get a hold of it. A place where the world can't get a hold of it. A place where you can't mess it up. A place where it's just waiting for you to act in faith so that God can release it for you. I tell you, salvation is a spiritual blessing. Healing is a spiritual blessing. Prosperity is a, is a spiritual blessing. Joy is a spiritual blessing. Peace is a spiritual blessing. All of these things are what? They're spiritual blessings. They find a point of origin. If you can find it in the spirit realm, then by faith you can pull it into your life. Well, we could take that one scripture right there and have a camp meeting. Verse 4, according. Now let me read a couple of verses. According as he has chosen us, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise and the glory of his grace where he hath made us made us accepted in the beloved now notice chosen us predestined us made us accepted in the beloved now listen First of all, you've got to understand that there is teaching out there. It's erroneous teaching. It does not line up with the Word of God called the doctrine of predestination. Now, the doctrine of predestination, basically it's Calvinism, it basically talks about how God looks at one and makes a decision to save and overlooks another and goes to and overlooks another and says, I'll save this one, but not this one, this one, but not this one, this one, but not that one. So every one of us, once we're born on the earth, we're predestined to whether God will save us or not. That's garbage. My Bible says, whosoever, any whosoever's in here? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So all that predestination, now I'm telling you, there are denominations built on the doctrine of predestination, and it is not, it is a doctrine of devils. I don't care how pretty the building is. I don't care how high the steeple is or how big the cross is. If they tell you that some get it and some don't because they are predestined according to the, quote, sovereign will of God, they have not read the book, nor have they had the Holy Ghost reveal it to them. No, any person on the planet, no matter who they are, if they will cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be saved. But once you are saved, you are chosen in Him. You are predestined. And you are accepted into the beloved. That means God, listen, there was foreknowledge in God, in God of your existence before you ever existed. And he made a provision for you. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's got a big computer screen or a big shelf or whatever. But here's all, just imagine this big shelf with all, this, all these plans. All these plans. This guy, he's going to be an engineer. and He's going to do great things. And, and this, this, this is going to be a missionary to Africa. This guy will pastor. This will be a wonderful doctor or physician. And, and this will be a school teacher that will teach the children. And this will be all these different plans that God has for people. That God has for people. And then here we are over here living our own life, doing our own thing. And we know nothing about the will of God. We know nothing about the plan of God. But then we ask Jesus into our life. We become saved. And God says, come over here. Come over here. Now that you're saved, now that you're one of my children, I've already made a plan for you. I've already predestined you. I've chosen you in the beloved. 
because I love you so much, I created you to be a pastor. I created you to be an engineer. I created you to be a fireman. I created you to be a teacher. That's who you are, and that's what I want you to be. It has nothing to do with God. And I'll take it a step further. This one being healed, this one not. This one being saved, and this one not. No, there is a provision laid up, spiritual blessings in heavenly places, healing, soundness, preservation, safety, deliverance. That's the word salvation. Laid up for us by faith, we tap into it, and we bring out of the spirit realm that which we need in the natural realm. You say, how do we do that? We'll see it in just a minute. Now, notice, let's take it a step further. You liking this? Oh, this is good stuff. It says in verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, notice this. I love verse 9. I get a laugh out of this one. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now listen, let me just say this. This is not pride. This is not in any way putting somebody else down and lifting ourselves up. But this is reality. There are some things we know that other churches don't know. There, now let me just put it on this level. Informational. They either have seen it and rejected it or they don't know it. There are people out there today that have doctorates. One of the most impacting statements I ever heard. When I was in Bible school, Pastor John Osteen got up. He had two doctors of, of divinity. Uh, one from John Brown University, another from another university. Names I, I don't recall at the moment. But he had two doctorates of divinity. That's a lot of education, folks. He had invested 16 years in education. Now, this is what he said. And I, it just so impacted me when he said it. He said, I was a denominational preacher. He said, my family, my wife and I, we got into the crisis of the life with the birth of one of our children. He said, in this crisis in life, of life, I cried out for the power of God. He said, when I began to cry out and search for the power of God, he said, I realized I knew nothing about God. Now, that's, that, it'd be one thing for me to say it. I've been to Bible school for one year. One year of Bible school. But, I, you know, I've been in ministry now almost 30 years. But one year of Bible school, you say, now how can you take somebody that's had 16 years of theological education in the Word of God and, and make a statement, I know nothing about God, and then take somebody that's had one year of Bible school and get up and preach with confidence and passion that they know, not just believe, but they know about what they're preaching about because they've not only seen it in the Word, but experienced it in their life. You say, now why would God do that? I'm going to tell you why right now. Because He takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so that when people see us and see Island Church and see me as a pastor, they've got to come to this conclusion. Those people must be of God because there's no way they can do it on their own. They don't have the credentials. They don't have the education. They don't have what, quote, the world says they should have. They must have something from God. That's us. That's us. We've come into the what? The knowledge of his will. I tell you, when you begin to understand, as it says in the Colossians, what is the knowledge of his will? With all spiritual understanding, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, it is the will of God that every person gets saved. It is the will of God that people be healed. It is the will of God that people get delivered. It is the will of God that people get uh, are prospered in their lives. It is the will of God that everyone goes to heaven. And the will of God is only manifested and performed 
when people obey the will of God. That's why we do what we do. Say, Pastor, wouldn't we better off just, you know, why would we buy all those gifts and give to people yesterday? Buy a tent and, and buy all that food. Shouldn't we just be saving our money so that we could, why don't, man, we gave $10,000 away on Wednesday night. Shouldn't we have put that in the bank for our new building? No. You say, why? Because we understand the will of God and how it works and how it operates and how by the will of God to tap into the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. Careful, I'll start preaching if I'm not careful. Now notice, here's the reason. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now I'm not going to get into this. We'll let Joe Morris, when he comes, teach on end times. That's what he's going to do, three nights on end times. Now listen, this ain't it. You say, what do you mean? This ain't it. This is getting us ready for it. But there are dispensations of time that are going to be coming up. Oh, my goodness. Listen, Walt Disney can't come up with this. Steven Spielberg cannot come up with this. There are dispensations of time. Further, deeper into the book of Ephesians says that God will use the church to demonstrate his, his manifold wisdom throughout the ages of time. He's talking about you and me in glorified bodies going out and doing the work of God and the will of God and him demonstrating through us his power, his ability, his love, and everything else that's good about him. That's not reserved for Israel. I said, that's not reserved for Israel. That's not reserved for the saints that get saved during the tribulation. That's not reserved for the millennium saints. That's only reserved for those people that lived during that dispensation in which they could not see, but they believed. They could not hear, but they believed. They could not touch, but they believed. They could not feel, but they saw it in the Word, and they believed it. I said, that's the church. That's who I'm going to use. Verse 11, in whom also... We have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed were sealed, everybody say sealed, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now God says this, he says, now listen, here's what I want to do. You're still going to be stuck in a world system that's all messed up. You're still going to be stuck in a body that's going to be rejecting the things of God and a mind that's going to be rejecting the things of God. But I'm going to put something on the inside of you so powerful, so powerful that if you'll feed it and grow it and cause it to raise up, it's what's really the real you on the inside. The Bible calls it the hidden man of the heart. It says if that'll grow up, it'll dominate the flesh, it'll dominate the mind, and it'll dominate the world system. It'll live by the blessings that have been laid up for it in heavenly places in Christ. It'll understand the will of God for its life. It'll understand that it's been predestined and chosen and it's accepted into the beloved. And it will not just do, but it will be what God calls it to be. You say, what do you mean by that? Instead of just getting healed, you'll be healed. Instead of just getting prosperous, let me say it like this. The things that are the attributes of God that we think we are trying to get by faith are not really that which we think. Those are the things that we should be instead of trying to get. You say, what do you mean? I'm not trying to get healed. I am the healed of God. 
I use my faith to fight off every symptom of sickness and disease. I'm not poor trying to get rich. I'm the rich of God. You say, how do you know? He took my poverty so that I, through him, might be made rich. So I'm tithing and offering and walking by faith and using wisdom to appropriate all that I need, not only in my personal life, but also in the church. Are you with me? Not only that, I'm not, I'm not a poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I heard an old preacher say it years ago. It says, if you see who you be, it will change what you do. Healing is not something you're trying to get. Healed is who you be. Righteousness is not something you're trying to obtain to through behavior. Oh, pastor, I'm working on being righteous. All this week, I didn't say any cuss words. I didn't listen to Willie Nelson. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. How do we keep talking about Willie? He's going to end up saved and filled with the Holy Ghost for us, aren't we? Jesse Duplantis talks to him all the time, so we know he's getting witness to. Amen? No, 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 that's not it. That's not that you've been such a good person all week long. You were born again, the righteousness of God in Christ. We are not trying to get stuff from God. God deposited it in us, and then the provision of it is in heavenly places in Christ. You say, now why is it there? Because that way, the world system can't touch it. The devil can't touch it. Nobody else can mess it up. Your faith appropriates it, and then it comes down into the natural world. This whole building was weird. Before we got it, it was in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We walked in here. There wasn't a tile in the ceiling. There wasn't no lights. There wasn't no air conditioning. There wasn't no sound system. There wasn't no carpet on the floor. You say, where was it? It was in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, what did you do? We started acting. We started believing. We started confessing. We started doing what God says. And now here it is. Then the devil tried to destroy it. Well, that didn't mean the provision was empty. We just went back to the source, back to the point of origin. Thank you, Father. Our building is fixed. Our building is going to be back together. We're going to be able to have service on Easter Sunday. Guess what? Uh, Easter Sunday after the storm, here we were. You say, how can that happen? You understand the will of God. You understand the mystery. Then you understand that same spirit that brought all of that into being in the spirit realm has now come into your heart and sealed you until the day of redemption so that you can walk secure in the things that God has for you. It works anywhere, anytime, for anyone. All right, there's my introduction. Ready for my message? Colossians, real quick. I got a five-minute message. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Come on, church. I still got about 10 minutes. Colossians now, chapter 2. The simplicity of this. I want you to know the study of redemption is such an awesome study. I've been studying it now for 30 years, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But the simplicity of the application. We have missed it. We have overcomplicated. We've made a mess of it. We're the ones that put all kinds of laws and legalism and junk and garbage. Come on, church. You might as well say amen. When God made it so simple. Listen, if it was complicated, a few people would get it. You say, well, pastor, all this stuff, you're talking about redemption. I'm saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Healing, you say, I am healed. I'm still struggling my body. You say, I am prosperous. Prosperity is something that I am, not something I'm trying to. How, okay, how do I get all this? It's so simple. How do you get it all? It's so simple. How did you get into this thing? 
Let me read the scripture. Did I tell you Colossians 2? Let's read the scripture, then we'll come back to it. Colossians 2, a simple, short scripture. Verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk ye in him. Two important words. Number one, as, as, that means who? Me, Me okay. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, so you walk in him. Now, walk, walk is literally talking about your lifestyle. Now, I've, I've posed this question to Bible school classes and congregations all over the world. You ask the question, how did you get saved? How did you get saved? Well, somebody say, oh, by faith. Nope, nope, nope. You're, you're forgetting the word you. How did you get saved? How did you get saved? Grace. Nope. How did you get saved? Not what did God provide. You say, what do you mean? The grace is provided by God. It's a gift. The faith is provided by God. It comes through His Word. What did you do? What you did is you obeyed the Scriptures of Romans 10, 9, and 10. If thou shalt believe in thy heart and confess with thy mouth that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The heart and mouth are the belief system of the human family. You say, what do you mean? I thought it was the belief system of the Christian. Then how'd you get, how can you get saved? You have to have a belief system in order to put something into that system that brings salvation to you. There are people that aren't saved that have used their heart and their mouth to achieve great goals. I was very impressed. I've used the illustration many times about Michael Jordan, the basketball player. I watched the, the documentary on his life and, and how he wasn't always the best. He, was, he, was, he played second string on some junior high teams. Didn't start on his, on his high school varsity team until he was a senior. But he bounced that ball. This little old seventh grade bounced that ball. I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA. I'm gonna, his coaches had interview him. What about Michael Jordan? He always said he'd be the greatest. He said, we never thought he would. See, it really doesn't matter what other people think. It's what you believe and say. So he went out and telling everybody, I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA. I'm gonna be, and I'll I never forget his college coach. He said, there were men with more talent. He said, I've coached people with more talent, but I never coached anybody that believed in themselves more than Michael Jordan. Well, if you can believe in yourself to the point that you don't have the greatest ability but can become the greatest player in the NBA, what can you do if you believe in God? So as you have received Him, so walk you in. How'd you receive? You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. So as you have believed. See, the church religion has made confession only relevant to sin. Just come confess your sin. Just come confess your sin. Just, well, my goodness. There ought to come a day in which confessing your sin ends. You know what day that is? The day you quit sinning. Amen. Well, well we all got some problems. Well, you don't have to be that much. Come on, church. You don't have to live in sin. You can rise above it. You're a new creature in Christ. Amen. You got the life and power of God in you. The cross broke the power of the devil over your life. Go ahead and live a sinless life. You can do it. And if you do make a mistake, appropriate the blood, get right back in fellowship with God. But as you have received Christ, how'd you receive? You believed in your heart. 
you confessed with your mouth and appropriated, now think of this, appropriated something already supplied, laid up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Salvation for all, for all mankind lies in the spirit realm, laid up for God, by God through Jesus Christ. Any whosoever that will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Has nothing to do with your own personal behavior or performance. All you have to do is what? Believe in your heart. You say, I don't have the ability to believe in my heart. Then you need some information. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I went to school with a Bible. Uh, I went to Bible school with a guy. He was from up on the in the in the in the Midwest, uh, uh, East Coast. And man, these guys. Th- this guy was a man. He told his testimony. I was like, man. He worked in the mafia and did all kinds of crazy stuff and ended up in the penitentiary with his long, long sentence. And he was in solitary confinement. He said, I hated God. He said, I beat up Christians. He said, anybody come with me that garbage? In solitary confinement, he was there for a year. He said, I had a portion of a tract, just a portion. And it was just part of the scripture, for God so loved the world, was on. He said, I read that every day. And he said, finally, I fell on my knees. and said, if this is true, I want this God. And he said, he got born again. He came out of prison. He came out of prison. I mean, excuse me. Excuse me. Came out of solitary confinement. Went back to his bunk. Told his, told his, uh, his cellmate, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And his cellmate beat him almost to death. Almost beat him to death said, you're lying. You're just trying to get out of this. You shouldn't mock God, all this kind of stuff. And he said, no. And he said, he went, got him a Bible from the chaplain, started reading the Bible. He said, I didn't know anything about it. He said, then in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the prison yard, this is what happened to him. He said, he'd been saved about two months, knew very little of God, went to a couple of prison meetings where some people came in and ministered in the prison. Thank God for our prison ministries. Amen. So he goes in there and listens to a little bit of teaching. He's reading his Bible. So they drag him out in the yard. All these, all these people that used to be in the mafia with him. And they said, they got a blind man, a guy that was blind. And they said, you heal this guy or we're going to kill you. He said, he was, he said my knees were, were shaking together. He said, I didn't have any faith. I didn't even know what faith was. He said, all I knew is that I had read in the Bible where Jesus had spit on the ground and put, and put uh, mud in the guy's eyes. And the guys went, Why? and so he said, that's what I did. He said, I barely had enough spit to make any mud. And I just rubbed it on his eyes. And I said, go, go take him down to the, to, the, to the latrines and wash that out of his eyes. He said, I didn't know what was going to happen. He said, I was preparing to die. He said, man, those people came out of that, out of that uh, uh, latrine area there. And he said, they were white as ghosts. He said, that guy that was blind was totally healed. He said, his cellmate is now the pastor. Now, this was back in 1984. His cellmate, when he got out of prison, went to another Bible school. He was a pastor of a church of over 5,000 people on the East Coast. That was his cellmate. He was going to Bible school at Lakewood to prepare to go into the mission field. You say, why? Because it works for anyone, anywhere, anytime. If you'll believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. You say, what do you mean? Quit using your effort to destroy yourself. With the same effort, you're talking doubt. With the same effort, you're calling yourself this, calling yourself that, saying this, saying that. You can be speaking the word of God over yourself. Get up every morning, lift your hands up. Thank you, Father. I am saved. What a gift. Oh, I don't know how much. If I took all day and praised you, it wouldn't be enough. Thank you that I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you that old things have passed away. All things are new. Thank you, Father. I'm finally, for the first time in my life, in my right mind. Because you hadn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you that you've 
have healed my body. For your word says, by your stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Father, that my, all my need today is already supplied. Because you said you'd supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ. Thank you, Father, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you, Father, that I'm buried with him in baptism, planted in the likeness of his death. Now I rise and walk in newness of life. Thank you that I'm risen with him and seated in the heavenly places. And what will begin to happen is the same thing that happened to you physically. Physically, you inherited traits of the human family. Brought down to your own personal family. Got the eyes of your father. You walk like your mother. You talk like your Uncle Bob. It's in your DNA. And as you, oh, if you get a hold of this, this will change your life. As you grow, apparent traits of your DNA begin to show up. Your spiritual DNA was stamped Adam. And as you grew, certain traits of the Adamic nature begin to show up. But now you have a new, quote, stamp on your spiritual DNA. If we could somehow test the DNA of your human spirit, you would see it's not white. You would see it's not black. You'll see it's not Asian. You'll see it's not male. You'll see it's not female. You'll see it's stamped with one thing, in Christ. And as you grow up into him, the apparent traits of your spiritual DNA begin to manifest. Where you go around, you say, I ain't trying to get healed. Nah. It looks like you're sick. I'm the healed of God. I'm going to use my faith and fight this thing off my body. I'm not trying to get rich. Nah. I'm the prosperous of God. I'm going to tithe and offer. And if I need a little more, I'll give a little more. If I need a lot, I'll give a lot. That's how my kingdom works. That's how my system that I'm involved in works. And then every day you get up and you do what? You make statements about who you are. And who you are, when you see who you be, it changes what you do. You no longer are white, black, male, female, Hispanic, Asian. You become what the Bible calls in Christ. I like one, the old, uh, I mentioned from time to time my, uh, my hippie translation of the Bible, letter to, street pre letter to Street Christians, two brothers from Berkeley. says this about Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life I now live in the flesh is just Jesus barring my body for a little while. If that's what it's all about, then Jesus never worried about paying the bills. He never worried about the storm. Didn't mean there wasn't storms. Never worried about what we're going to eat. Didn't mean there wasn't lack. Never worried about any of that. He always had what? Full provision. And God has also given us full provision. All we have to do is learn how to walk in it. And that's what we're doing. Amen. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we bless your name this morning. Thank you for the full provision that you've given us in Christ. For all the blessings of God that you've granted unto us in heavenly places in Christ. And Father, we make a decision today to walk in them by continually believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. We thank you, Father, that we continually declare we are the healed of God by His stripes, the delivered of God by the power of the cross, the blessed of God, for He took our poverty. We thank you for it.
anybody just ran up to you and pointed at you and said, who are you? What would come out? Who are you? Well, I'm Billy Joe. I live at 314 Grumble Alley. <laughs> See what our identity's all tangled up in? But if somebody came up and you looked at you, who are you? It ought to just come out. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a new creature. I am the healed of God. I am the blessed of God. Well, you just say that. You bet I do. Because my Jesus said, by my words, I'm justified. By my words, I com- that's why it takes what? A belief in the heart and a confession with the mouth to get saved, to get born again. That's why it takes that. Amen. Quickly, every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.